Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. 1 Kings chapter 18. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'll tell you what, it's a good day. We praise the Lord for meeting with us today. 1 Kings chapter 18. We'll begin reading verse 36. We'll come back and give you a little bit of background here in a minute. But uh, verse 36 says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. This morning I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Elijah's Prayer to Turn Israel back again. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We sure do need your presence. Lord, we need the hand of God on our services. Lord, I realize that I'm just mere man. But Lord, I represent a wonderful God. Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say, that you'd lead and guide me, give my thinking what I should have, Lord, and what I should say, Lord, clarity. And Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ will be exalted, will be lifted up this morning. And Lord, I pray that you might be magnified through the preaching of thy word. We thank you for the songs that have already lifted you up. But now, Lord, I pray through the preaching of thy word, Lord, that you would use it to speak to hearts. There's no doubt those in this room, Lord, that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If they were to die today, they don't know that they'd go to heaven. And Lord, that's a sad fact because they don't know if they'll be alive tomorrow. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd work in their hearts. Help them realize they need a Savior. Help them realize they need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as their Lord and Savior. But Lord, I pray in Christians' lives, Lord, I know the struggle that we each have, including this preacher. And so, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. And Lord, draw us near to you and help us, Lord, to draw nigh unto you in such a way, Lord, that we can see revival in our land again, that you might be magnified and glorified. And Lord, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. And Lord, may I decrease, may Jesus Christ increase in the preaching of thy word. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Leading up to this, we have a wicked king by the name of Ahab. This wicked king, he and Jezebel, his wicked wife, had led Israel away from serving the God of heaven, Jehovah God. And they were serving another God, which is, is the Bible calls Baal, which is a false god. And they did all kinds of wicked things in the worship of Baal. Well, for three and a half years, Elijah prayed, and for three and a half years, they had drought. I mean, not a drop of rain. Elijah prayed and asked God to shut the rain off, and the rain shut off, and for three and a half years, there had been no rain, a terrible drought. They uh, even sought for Elijah, uh, Ahab did, and wanted to kill Elijah, but he was unable to because God protected him and hid him and fed him and met every need that he had. Well, then we find that it was time for there to be a showdown between the God of heaven and the God of Baal. 
And so Elijah calls and tells, he just sends a, a man and tells him, he said, listen, you go tell Ahab to gather all the, the priests of Baal, 400 of them. You bring them up on the mount and say, we're going to have a showdown. Gets them up there, he begins to tell the people, we're going to decide who's got the real God. He said, whoever's God answers by fire, he said, is the true God. Whoever's God will answer by fire. And so he draws them together and, and they all day long they gnash or cut themselves and they scream and holler and run around the offering there that they had made on, a, on a, uh, uh, an altar and nothing happened. Well, it's about the evening time has come and now Elijah is ready to show them who the true God is. He called the people together to see who the true God was that could answer the prayer by fire. But in verse 21, which we didn't read, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, the God of heaven, Jehovah God, follow him. But if Baal be God, follow him. And here's the sad fact. It says, And the people answered him not a word. Didn't say yay or nay or anything. They just didn't answer. They said nothing. I think what's needed today in our day and time and the day and time we're living in with all the wickedness and violence going on is that we need another, another time to call down fire from heaven in a way. Amen. We need the God of, of our heaven to, to show his hand mighty in a powerful way and I believe that he will through a revival and through stirring of people's hearts and, and Christians getting right with God and I think this world can see the true living God again. So I want us to look this morning at 63 words here. 63 words. He said, Preacher, you're going to break them all down? We're going to be here all day long. No, this is the prayer of Elijah right before the fire of God falls. 63 words. 63 words in this prayer. Look at them here. In verse 36, it begins and he said, And said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God, art God in Israel, that I'm, I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. What you have here is you have a prevailing prayer. You see, it's not how long the prayer is, but where it comes from. It came from Elijah's heart. Came from a, a person who was yielded unto the Lord, seeking for the Lord to be magnified and lifted up. And I believe in my in our life, in our day and time, if, if we want to see revival, if we want to see America turn back to God, we're likewise going to have to, to turn our, our hearts over to the Lord. If we're going to see revival in our churches, we're going to see revival in our homes, our towns, our state, our nation, then there's some things in this prayer that he prayed that we need. And I want to talk about them a little bit today. But first of all, I want us to think about something. We're like the children of Israel here that were halted between two opinions. We're just like them. There in verse 21, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not. You see, we're living in a troubled day. Our churches all around us are dying. Christians are drifting away from the Lord. 
We're finding different ones that's, that's going out and living uh, uh, lives and our children are becoming uh, ignorant of who the, the true God of heaven is. People are turning a deaf ear to the word of God and sin and wickedness and perversions running rampant in our day and time. Our cities and towns are across the, this once uh, called Christian nation are, are becoming corrupt and vile and we're losing our kids by the scores and we're wondering what's happening and, and how can we turn it around and we think that we can legislate morality and you can't legislate morality. You've got to get your heart back to God. If you're going to see anything happen, you're going to have to go to the church and you're going to have to get your heart right with God. Amen. You can't legislate morality. We've tried over the years, and that's the wrong mistake. What the, this world needs is people to begin to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We raise the questions of moral decay and the lack of godliness uh, in our day and time, and we, we publicize it and say, hey, listen, we need to turn back and, and stop living these wicked lives, and the people answer, not a word. We've got to get a church back to the Lord if we're going to get the nation back to the Lord. I believe with all my heart the answer is not in the White House. I believe the answer is in the church house. I believe the answer is in our homes. I believe the answer is in having revival so that then things will change and, and our communities will change and our schools will change and our, and our towns will change and our, and our, our, our state and will change in other states and in our nation. When God's people come back to Him, there are two things that will bring the church back to the Lord. And that's powerful, spirit-filled preaching of God's Word and a prevailing, fervent prayer. In James chapter 5, verse 16, says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's a prayer that is, that is from the heart that's, that's hot, burning for the Lord and for the hand of God to move and to do a work in people's hearts and lives. I think what's happened today is that our, our altars have become dry. What do you mean dry, preacher? Aren't they supposed to be dry? No, they should be wet with the tears from God's people. When's the last time you shed a, a tear over a lost person? When's the last time you're so brokenhearted about how wicked our nation is going and the direction it's going that you shed a tear? The Bible says, He that go forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. But we become so dry-eyed in our day and time. And I'm not just talking about conjuring up some, some uh, tears because I'm not a person that cries easily. But I'm going to tell you something. There should be a brokenheartedness in our day and time when we look at what's happening to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. When we look at our nation that is, that is going down the tubes and we, when, you, when you can drive down... Uh, it's sickening to me, and, 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 I, and you say, well, preacher, what you I, when I drive down the streets of Marshall, Missouri, and I have my window open, that I can smell them smoking marijuana all over the place. Well, that's our freedom. Freedom to destroy lives. Oh, preacher, it's not, it's not a bad deal. I don't want anybody coming down the highway doing 70 mile an hour smoking marijuana towards me. Preacher, it don't do nothing like that. I used to work in an ambulance. You want me to tell you what it does? You want me to give you some real graphic illustrations of what it does? And that's just a little thing that's happening in our nation, in our town. And then to be around children 
that are, are in the fourth, fifth grade and, and they don't even know who Jesus Christ is. Oh, not in Marshall. Yes, in Marshall. We're living in a day and time where things are, are getting so bad and that, the, the, that many people will claim that that which is good is, is wrong. We've got to get the church back. We've got to get Christians back to where we're supposed to be if we're going to see our nation come back to the Lord. We need to get back to the we need to get pulpits and churches on fire again for righteousness and godliness, preaching the truth and lifting up Jesus Christ. We don't need stage bands and concerts in our services. We need God. Say, preacher, that's not very popular in our day and time. I'll say it again so that nobody misses it. We don't need stage bands in our services. We need God. We need the Holy Spirit of God to touch hearts and lives again in our services. So I want us to look at this prayer. I want us to look here. First of all, I want you to notice the call for repentance in the prayer. Look with me in verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast, notice what he says here, turned their heart back again. That's called repentance. That's a change of direction, a change of heart, a change of direction. That's admitting that we're going the wrong way. That's confessing our sin and, and turning back to the Lord. That's turning back to righteousness. That's turning back to the Bible. That's turning back to walking for the Lord. That's turning back to seeking the Lord first in our lives. It means that if you're going this direction and, and, and you're going the wrong direction, to repent means to turn from that direction and go towards God and, and live for the Lord and serve Him with all your heart, and with all your mind, with all your soul, with everything about you to love God and to serve Him. We need some good old-fashioned repentance in our, in our lives today. We need to get the church back on the altar. We need to repent of our sin. We need to turn back to the Lord and seek His face again. Amen. We wonder why today that Churches are closing around us, and it seems like nobody's interested in, in going to church. It's because when they look at most Christianity today, it's a mockery. When they look at most of Christianity today, there's no substance to it. When they look at most Christianity and Christians today, they say, well, their life's no different than my life. And to be honest with you, in many cases, they're right. What we got to do, we got to get back to righteousness. We got to get back to godliness. We got to get the church back to where the foundations of the Lord and, and begin to live for the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Everything about us lifting up the Lord and magnifying Him and glorifying Him in our hearts and lives. How's a lost person ever going to get saved if, uh, if we're going to be the same way that they are and if our lives are full of sin and our lives don't point them to the Savior, Jesus Christ? How would, how, why would they want? Let me ask you, Christian. Let me, if you look at your own life this morning, why would they want what you have in your life? Would they want what you have? So I'll preach that doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. And you know what? The reason, one of the reasons I got saved is because a good friend of mine I went to church. He went to church. I tried to obey my parents. He tried to obey his parents. I tried to, uh, uh, to be good in school and follow the rules and everything. He did too. And we had parents that raised us basically the same. But there was a difference between Jeff and me. There was something in his life that I didn't have in my life. The difference was he was saved.
and I wasn't. And I could sense the difference. I could see the difference. I could hear the difference. But today, it's hard to determine in many instances who are saved and who's not. Because we become more like the world. And we've, we've allowed so many different things in our lives that shouldn't be there. And people look at, their, at your life and my life and they say, there's no difference. There should be a difference, Christian, in our lives. There should be a difference that they can spot. There should be a difference that they can hear. There should be a difference in your life that, that they want that in their life. Uh, and, and you say, well, well, preachers, they don't want to go to church. No, they want something that's real. They want something that's real. Hey, hey, I, I, well, I'll do it anyway. How many of you in here watch well, uh, the, the wrestling? Anybody watch wrestling? There's a few watch wrestling. I've used to watch it some when I was younger. And it's so fake. <laughs> if one of them big boys landed on top of you, they're going to break you in pieces. They get up on them ropes and they're, oh, they land there like that. And isn't it amazing just at the last second, that guy's laying there like he's ready to, to pass out, ready to die. And just at the last second, he just barely rolls over and the guy misses him. <laughs> And then he's down and this guy gets up and they run from rope to rope and they bounce off the ropes into one another and, and then they get them down and boy they got just about got them pinned and holding them down boy got them down like that there and just as that hand comes down for that third count on that the guy flips him off. <laughs> Boom. Gets up and then he wins. Oh it's just good wrestling preacher. That's a bunch of malarkey is what that is. <laughs> I go to these wrestling matches, take some of these, these high school kids to these wrestling matches. Now that's wrestling. That's wrestling. And I tell you what, I've watched some of these little guys get in there and take hold of some of the big guys and got them down and pin them. That was wrestling. And, but we're living in a world today of so much fake stuff. Fake news, fake wrestling, fake everything. And this world's looking for something that's real. Looking for something that's true. Looking for something that's going to really make a difference in their life. That's going to help them in the days ahead. Well, what's going to, what's going to make the difference? There was a repentance in, in, the, in, the, in the people he, uh, uh, in this prayer. Elijah was calling for repentance, a turning away, turning their hearts back again unto the Lord there. And 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will we hear from heaven and will, he will heal our land. There's that repentance that's needed. It's that turning our hearts back to the Lord, that the Lord God, that we might have uh, first, that we, He might have first place in our lives. Christians have got to get their hearts and lives back to God. When we'll see that, we'll see more of the lost world come to Jesus Christ and receive Him as their Savior. It's going to happen when we begin to use the altars again. The altars in many churches today, they just got to go around. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Those altars shouldn't have to be dusted. That's what he's saying. That'll be used enough that no dust ever collect on. I'll tell you what, we ought to get back to the Lord. There's got to be a repentance. Elijah was calling for God to turn their hearts back 
turn their hearts back unto him. Then we see another thing that's in this prayer of Elijah here. We see uh, that he calls, there's a, re a reverence in this prayer. Three times in these two verses, 63 words, he uses the term Lord. He says God is God basically and he, that he is the Lord. He's the only one. Look with me there in verse 36, 37. It says, And it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts, their heart back again. Basically what Elijah is wanting to know, he, he wants everyone to know and make no mistake of who he's calling on. He wants to make sure that everybody knows that he's praying unto the God of heaven. He wants to make sure that everybody knows that the one that's who is his God, the Lord God of heaven he calls there, that's Jehovah. Jehovah means the self-existent or eternal one. He calls him Lord God, which is God is Elohim. Otherwise, that is the self-existent supreme one. I mean, he's, he's laying it out who he's calling on. He's, he's talking about God, the God of heaven here. Then he calls him the Lord God, meaning the only one, that there's none like him, none above him. Always was and always will be. It's, a time, it's time for the church to get back to who the Lord is in our lives. It's time for us to awaken that, hey, listen, there's a God in heaven that we're going to answer to. His name is Jehovah. His name is Lord God Almighty. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the mighty one. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. He's a, he's a Savior. He's the bright and morning star. He's the amazing one. He's the one that, that hung the stars in the, in the sky, in the, in the outer space. He's the one that holds this world together. He's the one that makes your heart go pump, pump, pump. He's a, he's a rose of Sharon. He's a mighty God. He's, he's our Savior. He's our, he, he's our ancestor. He is our, our loving God. He's the one coming for us again one day. Amen. He's an amazing God. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. He's Savior. He's our King. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's our protector. He's our joy. He is our provider. He's our light. He's a, the, the lifter of our head. He's the joy of our heart. He's, he's the one that we call our Redeemer. He's the coming King. Amen. How we need to revere Him. How we need to lift Him up. How we need to glorify Him. How we need to worship Him and adore Him and how we need to, to live for Him and magnify Him in our lives. He's a glorious God. He's a judge of all mankind. He's a God of love, but He's also a God of judgment and a God of wrath. He's to be high and lifted up. He's to be exalted. He's to be reverenced. He's to be praised. This world may thumb their nose at him. They may mock him now. They may pretend that they, they don't know that he even exists. They may put him out of their minds now, but there is coming a day that the Bible says in Romans 14, verse 11 and 12, for it is, as, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. 
So that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11 says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Boy, I tell you what, when you stop and think about who God is, the world doesn't want to think about who He is. The world doesn't want to think about what He, what he that they'll have to stand before Him one day. The world doesn't want, they try to put Him out of their mind because He's an almighty God and they've got to answer to Him one day. It's time for you and me as Christians to begin to lift him up again. We come and we sit in our seats. We hear the preacher preach. We sing the songs. And we go through the routine. Never stop and think about who we're singing about. Never stop and think about who, who's being preached about. We go through our, our week and we have struggles and problems and we never think about how great and mighty God we have. That he's able to take care of every need that we have in our lives. That he loves us beyond comprehension. That he cares about every single thing in your heart and life. Can I tell you something this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, one of the things that he, he cares about, he cares about your soul and where you're going to spend eternity. Because without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll spend eternity in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Oh, preacher, you're going to preach on a hellfire and brimstone. I'm just telling you, hey, listen, you better realize who God is. And you better realize that there's a judgment day coming. I made a joke while ago about the, the fact that the, the end is near. You turn, turn uh, before it's too late and, and the guy runs off into, into a, where a bridge is out. But I'm going to tell you something. The end is near and the Lord's getting ready to come back. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you will be cast into a lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Never to get out. Amen. Say, preacher, I don't believe in that. Why not? I can't see it. I can't see your brain either. But I'm supposing you got one. But if you're rejecting Jesus Christ, and I'm not trying to be mean, it's not working real well. If you're so brave, go stick your hand in the fire of your stove. You say, that's crazy. Not as crazy as a person dying and going to hell when they know that there's a God that loves them and cares for them and will save their soul for eternity. Preacher, you, i got plenty of time. I'm young. I've got plenty of years. I'll get that taken care of one day. Let me tell you something. I've walked beside caskets this big. But everybody thought that that child had their whole life ahead of them. You see, age means nothing. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You have an appointment. Every person in this room, we have an appointment with death, with the coming before the Lord. There's an appointed time. When is it, preacher? I don't know. You don't know. But what I'm saying is this. You need to be sure that you're ready. You need to make sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We talked about repentance a while ago. And one of the things that's needed in your life and in my life, was needed in my life when I got saved, was that I had to come to the Lord and I had to repent. I had to confess my sins and ask Him to forgive me. That's repentance. And receive Him as my Lord and Savior. Once I receive Him as my Lord and Savior, then I'm to live for Him. He is my God. He is my Lord. He's the Almighty God. We, we talked about how great He is. 
Listen, church. Listen, lost person. We'd better awaken to this one, the only one, who is the Lord God. We need to call on Him if you're not saved and receive Him today before it's too late. Christian, we need to turn back to Him and lift Him up and draw nigh to Him in these last days and, and glorify Him with our heart and with our lives. Then in this 63 words of this prayer, we've seen that He, he talked about the repentance and, and the reverence of God. But then we find that there's a request of Elijah that, that should be our request also. Look in verse 30. It says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me. And then he says, That this people may know. That this people may know that thou art the Lord God. And thou hast turned their, back, their heart back again. You see, revival is not just a hooping time. Revival is not just a draw a crowd time. Revival is not just a good meeting, but revival should change our hearts and our lives in such a way that the people may know that He is the Lord God. Amen. When he look, they look at our lives, when they hear us talk, when they see how we live our lives, when they see how we face tragedy, when they see how we face difficulties, when they see how that... How that we how we live our lives that they would say, man, there's something about them that's different, and, and they, they talk about their God and they love their God, and, and that they these people need to know who our God is. They need to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is in our lives. Elijah's praying, Lord, they need to know who you are and how great you are. And that there ain't nobody like you. They need to know that. Boy, it's time for people around us to hear us bragging on the Lord and lifting Him up and magnifying Him and sharing with Him. Boy, let me tell you what God's doing. Let me tell you how good God is to me. Well, you're going through difficulties. I know, but let me tell you how good God is. Well, man, you're, you're facing this and you're facing that. Yeah, but let me tell you how good my God is. Well, you, 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 yeah, but let me tell you how good God has been to me. This world needs to see how good God is. Even in the difficulties, the struggles of our lives. Facing those things every day. There's people in this room that are facing some very big struggles. But I'll tell you what. God gets the glory when we just keep lifting him up. You say, well, preacher, what if things don't turn out the way we want it to? God has a bigger plan. God's got a greater idea. But this world needs to know who our God is. This nation, our schools, our homes, our churches will change when they know who the Lord God of heaven is. You won't have to worry about what's going on in Washington because the people will vote with, the God, with godliness and righteousness again. The whoremongers that will, put out, will be put out of office. The baby killers will be run out of town. The morality will be a, a, morality will be a popular thing again instead of this woke movement. Proverbs 14.34 says righteousness exalteth a nation but sin is a reproach to any people but it's got to start here it's got to start with you it's got to start with me 
to repent, to reverence, to request, to seek the God of heaven. You say, preacher, I've been away from the Lord. Man, He loves you. See what you mean? He loves you. And He's standing there with open arms just waiting for you to fling yourself into His arms again. But what about... It's not about what about. But in my past, it's not about your past. It's about right now and about your future. But preacher, I've been away so long and he's been waiting the whole time because he loves you. Take a hold of that first part of that prayer. Repent. Boy, I'll tell you what. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's saying, Child, come home. But what will people say? They'll say, Man, praise the Lord. But can I live for the Lord again? Most definitely. Does he care for me that much more than that? That when you ask him to forgive you of your sins and you, you come back to him in that repentance, he makes all things new again. He lifts you back up. And oh, how he wants to guide and direct you. That's why we can stand here this morning and we can lift Him up and we can reverence Him and we can magnify Him and talk about how good our God is and what a wonderful Savior we have and how that He loves us and how this world is missing out when they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then people around you, they'll begin to see, wow, their God must be something. That He would love them that much and care for them. And this morning while you're sitting here, you say, Preacher, I can't get saved. Why not? You don't know what I've done. Don't have to know what you've done. Yeah, but I've, I've been wicked. I've been, there's so many things and I, you know, I, just, I can't go back and change it. No, you can't go back and change it. But you can start fresh with salvation. And let God change your life by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some may be sitting here this morning and be saying, well, you know, I think I'm saved. Uh, I might be saved. I hope I'm saved. You mean you're willing to die with that? Would you like to go to the doctor and he says, okay, I'm gonna, I can give you this shot. You say, well, is it going to help me? I don't know. I hope so. Is there any, is there any bad side effects? <clears throat> I don't know. I hope not. But maybe so. Why would you want to live in that type of situation? You know what I want to do? I think I'll go talk to another doctor. But why would you want to go through life and face eternity with a hope so, a maybe so, a possibility? When the Lord done said, told us, He said, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. It's a no-so salvation not a hope so salvation. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could just maybe go to heaven. 
He died on the cross so that you could go to heaven. But you must receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Come today and receive Him. Sixty-three words, a very short prayer. But my friend, if you read the next verse down there, and the fire fell, and the people said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. We need the fire to fall again in the churches today. I'm not talking about wildfire. I'm talking about hearts getting on fire for God. I'm talking about Christians getting right with God so that this world can see something that's real, something that it will move their hearts and lives. Well, preacher, I'll just take care of it here or there. You know, why, why would you do No, man, go all out for God and turn your heart to Him. Let's bow. Father, we thank You. We love You. Lord, You've been so good to us. You're a wonderful God, a marvelous God. And oh, Lord, as we look... Lord, as the people turn their hearts to you, Lord. Lord, the fire fell on that offering, and Lord, the people turned their hearts. Lord, may there be a, a stirring this morning. Lord, may we fill the altars, Lord, for our nation again, for our families, for our grandchildren, our, our children, Lord, that we might see them saved, or if they're away from the Lord, that we might see them come back. Lord, help us to have a heart that's on fire, desiring for you to be magnified in our lives and glorified and lifted up again. May there be a stirring once again in our hearts for you. Lord, I pray on the sound of my voice of anyone here, whether they're sitting in this auditorium or listening by way of live stream. Lord, I pray those that's here would come. Lord, during the invitation, while every head will be bowed, and let's take a Bible and show them how to be saved. But Lord, would you please have your will and way in this invitation? I can't do anything, but you can do great and mighty things. For this I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed?